fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. I'm Caitlin. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News, and then get to gloat with my friend Caitlin about their failure to obtain any semblance of power in the federal election. Great. This episode, we will be covering the week of October 21st. How are you, Caitlin? I am A-OK. Guess what? I'm fully recovered. I am no longer <laughs> sick. I feel human. Yes. Well, that's good. I feel like I might be coming down with something, but I'm not sure. Lots Could just say. be the uh, dryness of the heater and the, the weather change. But Yeah, that's that's true. Hopefully you're not sick. I do but not think that I'm like, like if you get sick, sick, sick. It, it becomes See? a cycle where I get sick. So let's avoid that. Well, I do have kids. They're a disease vector, you know. They lick each other at school and then come home That's and sneeze so in my face. And so so this week we're going to cover the election, obviously. It just happened this past uh, Monday. We won't say much now, and we'll just get right into the Imperial Roundup. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. On October 17th, so this is before we had the election. It was the Friday before. Ezra is complaining about an amendment in the Canadian Election Act, specifically Section 91, that he thinks will be used to censor people who say false things. So he frames it by going, oh my God, the liberals passed this thing and none of us knew about it. It was like stealthily passed and the conservatives didn't push back. And basically this law now will prevent pe- or will allow the government to like fine and jail people who say things about politicians that they don't like. Is that actually what it does though? So, that's not actually what it does. Well, it's kind of complicated. The the section itself, section 91 is about you can't say anything basically libelous to policy- politicians or like candidates during the election cycle. So this is the Canadian Elections Act, so it only governs Election time, yeah. So you can't uh, libel a, a candidate. Okay. It's basically what it states. And the thing that's weird is this section has been in the Election Act since uh, 2000 when it was added, which is long. <laughs> you know, we had all 10 years of Harper in this time period. So it's not like... Uh, oh, like it is... disadvantaged the conservatives in any way or shape or form. No, I mean, it dis- hasn't disadvantaged anyone because not a single person has been arrested under this amendment since it's been in. <laughs> and he's making it sound like it's recent. like Right, so there yeah. was a recent amendment. And honestly, when you look at the amendment, the language is just like a bit more wordy. And, and so then the question is, well, so he frames it. The liberals put it in, right? So the liberals made the amendment. The conservatives didn't care. And actually, both those points are completely wrong. (laughs) So what happens is after every election, I guess we have what's called a chief electoral officer, and they make a report about the election and then suggest uh, any changes to the Canadian Elections Act to a committee. And the committee, which is called the uh, Standing Committee on Procedures and House Affairs, this committee then decides based on that report whether they want to implement the amendments and so on, and then eventually it comes to a vote, right? Now, the one thing that the chief electoral officer recommended in their report was that Section 91 is kind of vague. And the way they put it was either amend it or get rid of it. 
And the reason for getting rid of it, the argument was that basically our standard libel laws already cover this. So why do we also need this in the Canadian Election Act? Okay. And that was like what the election or the chief electoral officer said. So then the committee then sent off to the what's called the Office of the Commissioner of Canada Elections, and they provided feedback on how to amend that section. Okay. And the extra wording, which doesn't add anything to like worrisome, it's it just adds more detail about the kinds of things that you can or cannot say, which is again, it's just all boils it's down to libelous or slander. Yeah. yeah. And they accepted it, and and even in the report, it says that the conservatives opposed the amendments. Now, it doesn't say why the conservatives opposed the amendments. It just said that they opposed the amendment. But then, again, liberals had a majority, so they passed it and it went into effect. Now, is this anyone can say something that's slanderous or like? Yeah, so this applies to all people. Okay, yeah. So, like... You know, we couldn't go up to Peter Fragiscatos and just make up shit about him and publish it or something. (laughs) Right? Too bad. Yeah. (laughs) But in the sense of, like, libel, right? And there might be, like, wiggle room there because, like, obviously intention comes into it and stuff. So it's like, this is one of the reasons why we've had it since 2000 and not a single person has been arrested over it or fined over it because, like, that those standards are hard to meet. But why the only reason he's bringing this up now on a show, which is weird, is because this uh, group called the Canadian Constitution Foundation is filing a charter argument against it. And even in their sort so of like a blur, freedom of speech. Yep. So yeah, uh, and here's the thing is Ezra apparently used to sit on this group as one of their board members. So, again, it's this huge, like incestuous relationship. But they want to file this charter fight. And even in their description, they, again, miss all the details and they spell it out as like, the liberals did this to silence free speech and this is an attack on free speech. And it's like, it's been in there since 2000. <laughs> like, this whole thing is nonsense. But it, another thing to point out is it's only during the election period. Right. And the reason for that is obviously because they don't want people to say false information about party platforms to make people more informed when they're going to vote, which is actually in the definition of what democracy is. Like democracy is not just participation, but it's the right to be like informed and participate as well. So yeah, they don't want people to be misled during an election by people who want to make up stuff. Exactly. And imagine if you are that person that goes and votes with this misinformation and you find out later that's a huge lie you might be angry as that individual being like, I actually wouldn't have voted for that person if I found out that that was a lie beforehand and those people feel duped they feel like you know they don't like it they feel deceived it's not it's not good right um and it changes election results and you don't want an election that wins based on misinformation and lies or another thing too is we don't want a whole like cambridge analytica situation where they're publishing false information using facebook ads to sway certain voters that's horrible and we shouldn't be having that and he he plays the victim on this because he's like, well, what counts? As, who gets to decide what's like a lie and like all this? Right? The only reason Ezra though is offended by this is because he lies all the fucking yeah, time exactly. during elections about exactly. Trudeau and other um, progressive. Trudeau's not progressive, but other progressive candidates um, because he just doesn't like them. So, but again, like if that was 
I mean, I know that that's got to be part of, and that, that is kind of how he frames it when he talks about it too. You can tell that he's deeply worried about people coming after him because, uh, he's fucking lying. Yeah. And he knows basically. he is. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't put it that way, but he's like, you know, we're just, you know, sometimes you're speculating, you're getting at the truth kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> he's like he's speculating that like he's like seems like really worried about this but it's like again this has been in place since 2000 so it's it's one of these things where it's like uh, they're worried about it now because the particular uh, grift is in this area and i think no one really cared about the canadian elections act and i guess maybe they like, accidentally stumbled upon it while like looking at something and fire filed this uh charter complaint but the whole thing's just stupid. And, and this is going to be, the, it's annoying because there's going to be another topic uh, during the week that is, again, on this free speech thing. And that's just the thing they just hound over and over and over again. Charter of Rights and Freedoms. We have freedom of speech. And it's like, no, just stop being a dick and stop lying. <laughs> you know? Well, then he wouldn't have a show. So. No, well, yeah. yeah, exactly. So then Ezra uh, moves on to the interv- interview portion of the show. And he has on his law team. Uh, basically, I think it was two lawyers, and they're the ones who helped him that uh, win his court case that he just had two weeks ago. And before he gets into it, Ezra takes a moment to say that the legal win was his proudest accomplishment. <laughs> and then, other than the, it's it's the whole thing's just a circle jerk. Like they're all, like the lawyers are just like, "You're the greatest, Ezra," and we're like, "So proud to work with you. Keep fighting for freedom." Another you common got theme on. The yeah. rebel is, is them just complimenting each other. Yeah, and then he's going back to the lawyers like, you're the best lawyers, you know, you got in there, you fought dirty, and we got out. Like, it, it was just uh, embarrassing. But they also discussed the, the the next step in their sort of, like, proceedings, which is that they're going to get in a legal fight with the debate commission. And they're hoping to, like, I don't know, unveil what they perceive as this huge conspiracy within the debate commission that prevented them from participating in the first place. And they are, they're like, we want to know why Al Jazeera got in and we didn't. <laughs> like, they're so butthurt about that. And that's, that's pretty much the whole, th- whole thing. I mean, Ezra also says that he wants to go on a fish. Basically, he doesn't put it this way, but basically he says he wants to go on a fishing expedition through all the debate commission emails, which is like bad news because, you know, they're going to find any like turn of phrase to like weave conspiracy theories about like what actually happened. And then, of course, he ends this whole thing with a a spiel about how he's like the initial bill was ten thousand dollars, but expenses went to eighteen thousand. So we need our audience to like chip in and cover the bill. And again, he directs people to the website. Is there a petition? Yeah. Well, it's not a petition this time. It's just a just a website. Just a website with a huge donate button. And he even says they spent three hundred and fifty thousand dollars this year in lawsuits. So, so that was the seventeenth, and now we're on to the twenty-first, which is election day, and they begin the day with a pre-election show, which is pretty much uh, a summary of his election coverage. And it was it was so boring because it was another friggin' clip show of like, look what we did this election. We stalked some people, yelled at other people. <laughs> David Menzies got hit by a bus. We found yeah. Andrew Shear really hates us. <laughs> and he plays again the clip with uh, Rosemary Barton asking Trudeau about like what books he reads. And he says some other creepy shit here. And so I'm going to play the clip. And this is, I think, the first time we actually play the Trudeau-Marie Barton interview on the show. Oh, yeah. And you're going to see, it's, like, very innocuous. But 
Ezra, when he comes back in, is creepy as fuck. Uh, but I think the same thing applies to this national election. I've always told you that the CBC is untrustworthy, biased, in the tank for the liberals. I've shown you evidence like Rosemary Barton literally taking personal selfies with Justin Trudeau for her little hope chest that she hides under her bed. Oh and then getting her dreams to come true <laughs> one day on The Bachelorette or whatever this video embarrassment was all about. Uh, last book you've read or the book you're reading? Um, the... Just finished uh, the um, the patch, which was uh, Chris Turner's uh, history yes, of yeah. uh, of the oil patch. Um, but I'm also about to start uh, the new uh, Ken Follett, with, uh, the third third book that is uh, the sequel to um, Pillars of the Earth. That's your, your nerdy sci-fi. That, no, that's that's my uh, uh, sci-fi nerdy sci-fi. No, no, it's not. It's not sci-fi. It's it's just a, a, a sweeping historical epic, I'm sure. But I haven't started it yet. So, Pillars uh. of the Earth is very fantasy. Yeah, time or podcasts. Podcasts? No, I don't. I, I've tried. I, I run regularly, and I've tried to uh, uh, tried to do the podcast thing, but it hasn't really. Uh, it doesn't really. Say, I don't like people talking in my ears when I'm trying to run. I like to like to sort of vibe out. Are you a generous lover? <laughs> that was not that was not a journalistic interview. That was a first date, maybe second date. Are we gonna kiss? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, are, we, are we gonna kiss? <laughs> so well, I have a couple of comments about this though. Yeah, so um one is it's really not that bad to ask those questions, especially if you're a leader, because what if they were reading like something like Mein Kampf? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I read the Turner Diaries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what if you wanted to get more of an insight about this person's personality and their hobbies and their tastes yeah. and you find out they're just a fucking horrible human being? Um, and I mean, we know that there is a bit of a bias with CBC favoring liberals and I don't know. I just don't think it's the worst thing to ask but the extreme that Ezra goes to another thing is I was really trying to hold in my laughter because I was just thinking of you know that Jordan Peterson clip where she goes what's your favorite author oh yeah <laughs> I forget what he answers forever. and then she goes no I mean what's your favorite female author and then yeah. he's like huh. oh, I think he says Dostoevsky and then, yes what's he your does. famous female, female author and then it's, yeah yeah so that, I just, it popped in my head because what I'm thinking is like, would he mind it so much if like a super right leaning um, spokesperson or individual was asked those questions? Probably not. He probably would like argue that's great. Like the books they choose and read are superior, right? Like, so, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the whole thing's stupid because again, like that interview existed in a context in which he asked more questions than just those questions. Right, so it would be what one was thing. The context, though, of uh, I think they like, were where just, were they? Uh, I think it was what just was the uh, they were walking. I know they were walking outside, and it was snowing, and I think it was in Ottawa, and they, it it was like shot as like we're just taking a stroll, and I'm just asking you questions. Kind so of those thing. are perfect questions for that. Yeah, kind of thing. it's not like a political debate. No, it's and it was before the election. Topic. Yeah, it's not like they're covering the pipeline, right? Like it's no. like. The, like if they're shooting it like that it might be to for some publicity for your current prime minister that's like this is what he's like this is and it might even of- have been during a, a recess or whatever so that it might not have been been things in parliament he they had did to that shit with like you know? obama and other presidents too yeah they do it all the time it's just you're wearing way to, khakis like, humanize not, them yeah. yeah they do it with trump 
they've done well i mean but like it's, it's also how the right wing responds to those things because like my response to this is like personally yeah unless he's gonna say he's reading the turner diaries i don't really care like what like whatever yeah. uh i might be interested in what kind of podcast that he listens to because that might tell you like say he's really into like political news and where he gets his political news might tell you something a bit about his bias and stuff right so these things matter but he, it's just the right takes these innocuous things and turns them into this grand thing like well either that rosemary barton is like so in love with him and it's just all she can do is ask him these soft questions or they turn it into this thing where it's like they're so manipulated by the uniform money that they just have to, which is their money that they pay to uniforms, so he doesn't understand unions, but he just thinks that, like, they just can't help but love this guy. And, I don't know, I think he got a, a pretty good beating <laughs> by the press, rightfully so, like, I'm not saying... No, he's been... It's it's just, it's okay, it's not a... Yeah. It's really not a big deal. But that's what Rebel uh, News Media, whatever they want to be called now, um, does quite often is take something that's very insignificant, small, doesn't really matter, and, and he's played, blows it out of proportion. He's played this clip like every week since I've started this podcast. Because he really loves her. Yeah. She, he really has a secret shrine to her. Yeah. Maybe. So the other, the only other things he talks about on this day was he had more butthurt about Al Jazeera, and then... He brings up something that's relatively new because it happened the weekend before the election, which is that it came out that Warren Kinsella was working with the Conservative Party to smear, well, what Ezra says is smearing the PPC as racist. And a lot of my comrades online and friends that engage in like anti-fascist activism, they laughed when this happened because it's like, why did you pay some like yokel <laughs> like Warren Kinsella to do the shit that we've been doing on a regular basis anyways by exposing and showing the links and ties uh, from the PPC to neo-Nazi groups and stuff like this so it's like we didn't need Warren Kinsella's uh, who who I don't even know fully the whole story about Warren Kinsella but I guess he's always he's been a strategist for like the liberal government in the past and he's known for being cutthroat and kind of edgy oh, okay. so he has a reputation of some kind, but I haven't like dug into it. But that's sort of like the negative spin on it is people are like, why would they work with Warren Kinsella? Uh, apparently, Warren Kinsella also worked with the Greens at some point during this election, and people like freaked out about that as well. And uh, yeah, whatever. So I mean, it's interesting because Ezra, again, this feeds into him already being upset with Andrew Shear. Like, why would Andrew Shear hide hire this asshole that Ezra doesn't like? to smear the people that he likes as racists, right? Mm. Then Ezra finishes by predicting a liberal minority. And Oh, at least he was correct. Yeah, and he says that conservatives don't love sheer enough and that Singh will take votes from liberals. And he's like, especially the youth. And he plays a clip of Singh dancing. Uh-oh. And I'm going to finish with the clip, uh, with his response to the clip. There's no point in playing the actual clip of Singh dancing because it's literally just music. But uh, this is how he responds to it after he's done playing the clip. Now, if we were voting for a dance party tonight, I would vote <laughs> for Jagmeet Singh, but not a, not for much else. In his own way, I know it sounds odd to say, but I think he's a bit of a bigot. So, so just to be clear, 
be, just to be clear, you would not respect a, um, you know, if, if Andrew Scheer wins oh. most seats, uh, you would not <laughs> allow him to form government. You would oppose that. Uh, we don't respect conservatives, no. <laughs> yeah, well, about 35% or 40% of the country is conservative. And, of course, in some pockets of the country, it's like 80%. But Jagmeet Singh doesn't think they even deserve his respect, even as fellow citizens. He refused to answer Kean's question about pipelines. Oh, my God. <laughs> Look at this. He then plays the clip again of the, thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, well, so what's funny about this is before he actually posted this or uh, said that on his podcast, um, Jagmeet Singh did a press media scrum, whatever, um, talking about how he actually regrets saying that comment and he apologizes for that comment. So he went up and was just like, you know, I said something I really shouldn't have said yesterday. I was like in the moment and I wasn't thinking and I had a really poor choice of words. And what he said, he's like, I do respect conservatives. He's like, I respect any people, but he's like, I don't have respect for certain actions and behaviors that certain conservatives be, uh, take part in. I yeah. don't respect cuts to public funding. And he was like, I don't respect um, when certain groups of people make it easier for the rich to keep getting richer and he he was very sincere he was honest yeah. and he's like we should respect all groups of people he was just like that was a really poor choice of words i should have thought more carefully about what i was saying and a lot of people loved that because he was like oh what kind of person actually like apologizes for making a mistake so ezra just looks like a fucking ass right now yeah. <laughs> because when ezra says really racist things has he ever gone you know what i said some really poor things yesterday no, that's just I, no exactly because he actually genuinely or maybe he doesn't believe that personally and this is a whole grift but like but i even like like because i i didn't hear that half of it yeah but even if like the thing that i like about what you told me was framing it that of course, I'm going to respect conservatives as people who yeah. might be my constituents, etc. Yeah, that's what he but meant. But, like, of course, like, I'm not going to work as an NDPer. I don't want him to work for a government that's going to cut crap yeah. that we need, right? So, like, if there's, like, a, a kind of collegial respect that I wouldn't have for them either. The, like, that I think is where the intention of his remark comes from, where it's, like, you can see points of agreement with the liberals to a certain extent. I mean, like, I'm definitely not a liberal supporter, but I can see if they want to introduce some pharmacare and with our help, we get something done. Sure, because we both agree that something like a pharmacare is the direction we need to go. But conservatives aren't even going to get on that wavelength because they're going to be like, we don't need pharmacare. We need to cut taxes. Right? Yeah. Well, oh, so one thing that I do want to note now that we're actually getting into the issue about like conservatives, liberals working together, whatever is uh, actually on election night. I was a scrutineer, you know, this, um, and while I was, so was I. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, you were. Yeah. Um, so while I was there, there was a conservative scrutineer. That was the only one that showed up other than myself. And she didn't really make much conversation with me, but um, the DRO, do, uh, Deputy Returning Officer yeah. of that polling station, came and started talking to us just to make conversation because you could tell we were bored waiting yeah. for them to close the, the polls. Everyone up by my area was super friendly. They were just oh, yeah, yeah. No, not really. Just this one guy. <laughs> um, and this woman was basically going on 
like a whole rant about like communists to us <laughs> which whatever like i was just trying not to engage and i was just kind of like oh, okay yep yeah, mm, oh really yeah and she just was talking about her experiences because she was like went to elementary school in the 1950s and she was just explaining like why the cold war was like a huge threat during that time and she was really scared of communists and young people don't really know what that's like and that's why they're all communists and like the guy basically stopped her and went on this whole rant about like what's wrong with communists he's she's like they're those extreme left groups and he's like so we hear this all the time the socialists the communists whatever you want to call it are coming because they have extreme left views and he was like but he's like, if you look at conservatives, they're actually becoming a lot more left-leaning and moving more to the center than they have historically on a lot of, like, social tolerance. So maybe funding-wise, they want to cut things and be fiscally conservative. But he was saying to this woman, like, a lot of the social issues that you have a problem with is yeah. conservatives are moving towards tolerance and acceptance for those social issues. So he, he was, Slowly, but yeah. Slowly. So he's saying, so he's just like, I just find that weird that you're here supporting, but you're going to like go on a rant about all these like leftist issues and how you're afraid of these leftist groups bringing up all these social issues all the time. So where I was like going to get with this is they're working on other issues. Like, I mean, like conservatives are not good at all, but like there was a movement towards, you know, accepting that climate change is a bit of an issue and so i think that um politicians are going to be moving towards more coalitions and like having to work with each other and having to like actually discuss and debate these issues and not be so polarized at least in the canadian context and you could tell sheer did that a bit uh in moving a bit more towards the center yeah uh again I would never vote him or endorse his politics. Not, no. But like you can tell like that that there's that move being made because they realize you can't keep winning uh unless you you start making those concessions, right? Like if you want to throw away uh people who support LGBTQ rights when they represent a majority of this country. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, eventually you're going to have to start like opening those doors, right? And of course you're going to get the blowback which is what is represented by the PPC who's uh, saying like no you're moving to the center and I don't like it you gotta go farther to the right and all that fun stuff on October 22nd again the next few days are gonna be super fast because they were really stupid they they spend most of the day on the 22nd which is the day after the election talking about Alberta separatism and we're gonna cover that again later uh, then they have on again guest star Lauren Gunter being a boomer and just talking about like uh, Alberta needs to separate because they're conservative. That's like the whole show. Cool. <laughs> it was so boring. And then October 23rd, first half of the episode, Boston wants to ban the word bitch. This was covered on Alex Jones's show as well. And it's one of these things that I feel like every right wing person who has a show is going to talk about how Boston wanted to ban the word bitch. And here's what you need to understand about that situation is that Boston has like a weird thing where like, citizens can initiate like motions to their uh, municipal government or whatever and so that's it wasn't awesome. even hmm? that's awesome to an extent yeah, i mean yeah uh the people in knowledge fight covered it as well and you can get some people who uh write in things that you'd be like ah, that's probably not a good motion or Absolutely. like i don't know i could write in a motion be like make jody king of boston <laughs> 
But you can just say it's out of order if you have a good Well, exactly. So here's the thing is somebody wrote in wanting to ban the word bitch. That's that is all they're do they're freaking out about. So it's not even like a past nope. motion. Yeah. <laughs> like nothing has happened <laughs> okay. with this thing. It's just been submitted and like all the right wing people are losing their mind. And that's the whole segment was just like they're coming for everything. We can't call our bitches bitches. Yeah. Wow. How horrible. The one thing that they did that I thought was silly is that they created some website saying like Boston's full of bitches or something oh. like that. It's just something to like Digging on the fact of like you can't tell us what not to say. <laughs> I just ignored it. The whole episode was so stupid. And then so th- after that segment, the they have a guest that comes on, and this is someone who is reopening a magazine in Alberta called the Western Standard. So I guess Ezra Levant started this magazine, and it was like a legit hard copy magazine until the print business basically went yeah. under. And these people are bringing it back, but making it a completely online thing. Okay. And it's purely devoted to Western separatism since the election happened. Great. And they're running some Kickstarter and all that fun stuff. So that was just the interview. It was mostly like, Ezra, you were so great when you wrote it before, and we just had to bring it back because we love you. And it became one of those, we just all love each other kind of pieces. Yeah, circle jerks. Yeah. (laughs) Then on uh, the 24th, Ezra, he's feeding in, you could tell he's like really like doubling down on the separatist narrative now. So he starts off the episode talking about how America is a net oil exporter and that Quebec is its main customer. This is a problem because like Quebec should be getting its oil from Alberta and Alberta just isn't appreciated. So Alberta should just leave. And that's the whole intro segment. And then they get to the interview with uh, Barbara Kay. And we've talked about Barbara Kay before, but I can't the remember. The same people yeah. over and over and, and over again. Here's the thing. It's on the same topic, too. So they covered uh, trans issues. Great. And she's upset because I guess there was a talk uh, by Megan Murphy in tr- somewhere. I don't know. Megan Murphy is this person who's a turf uh, who was kicked off Twitter for dead naming people and misgendering. And just being a shit uh, trans exclusionary feminist, yeah. basically. And I guess she's holding an, or she got kicked out of ban from an event, blah, blah, blah. And so they're talking about how trans radicals are just so extreme and wanting to kick everyone out. And then they turn, I guess, Barbara Kay is attending an event in Toronto uh, that was going to be with Lindsay Shepard and some other university right-wing person who got banned from a bunch of stuff and they're like what are they gonna they're gonna deplatform us from this event too <laughs> you can tell my patience and shit was just like it gets to a point where it's like you you keep on complaining that they're oh they're banning us they're banning us and it's like i don't know don't be a shitty person to trans people it's pretty it's pretty easy so that was it that was the end of the week The live coverage begins with, I guess the way Ezra did this was he did like, he talked with David and they played some David clips and had a, like a David powwow. And then they talked to Sheila and had the same thing. And then with Kian, right? And the thing is, Kian was in studios with Ezra, but David Menzies was at the PPC rally in yeah, uh, Bose, Quebec, the riding of Bose in Quebec. 
and Sheila was in Regina at the conservative party. Yeah. And they, I think they, one of the clips is going to bring this up. They joked about the fact of like, well, they arrested Menzies, but like somehow you managed to get yourself in there. Like whatever. So the first person he goes to is uh, David Menzies. Masonic P, Ezra, have you ever thought about running for PM? We know you'd all vote for you. Start the rebel party. <laughs> Will they ever have proportional representation? You bet we'd start the rebel party. I think oh, for sure we'd get 5% in the vote. Maybe more, maybe 10%. Wouldn't that be fun to have the rebel party? I just want to say that there was technically the rebel party running this time. and They did not get 5 to 10%. What, the PBC? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're... they're pretty similar to what the rebel party would be if uh sure happens. yeah but they don't have proportional well i mean so here's the thing but he's saying like that they could get five to ten percent i think the PPC he's saying got if 2%. they had proportional no no but, well the percentage that you get in popular vote is still the same under our system it's just that it's not proportionally represented by the seats that you get so the ppc only got two percent of the vote really but they didn't win a single seat. Only 2%? Yeah. If that, I think Fine. it might even be less than that. I think they only got something like uh, 300,000 votes nationally or 200,000 votes. So a really small number comparatively. I mean, that's still scary that you well, said two, there's 200,000 votes, you said? Yeah, but that's like smaller than the population Sorry. of London for all but of there's Canada. There's 200,000 people up there. To have views. Oh, well, yeah, sure. Any number of racist people, but like I would Sorry. prefer them to be 2% and small and marginalized. What? It's yeah. insane to me. Ah, keep them small and in their uh, parents' basements, and we're, we're fine. 200,000, though. <laughs> but the thing is, like, I feel like he, and he, he brings this up again at some other point. I don't think I have a clip of it. But every time he says it, I get the feeling that he's framing it of uh, that he doesn't like proportional representation. And he's doing it like, don't you change your system? Because if you do, we're going to run and we're probably going to get five to 10% of the uh -oh. vote, kind of like taunt. And we're going to get to it eventually, too. The election results, conservatives got a higher popular vote than the liberals yeah, did. Yeah, you know yet they got fewer seats. And that has to just do with how our system's set up. So most of the votes... First past the post, yeah. Right. And, and first past the post per riding, right? So in Alberta, you had some ridings that went 80% to the conservatives. So they got like a huge popular vote in Alberta, but it wasn't represented in the rest of Canada. So even though they got more votes overall, they didn't win uh, the election. And the same thing happens in the States, right? So Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, but that's because almost everybody in California voted Democrat and California has a huge population and that bumped them. So those extra votes in California did not help them to win the election, right? Mm. Because you need votes in Iowa. And so it's a similar dynamic here. But anyways, we'll play the rest of this when he gets to David. All right, we got David on the line. I'm joking around a little bit. We'll get, I want to say thanks to these Super Chats. And by the way, they don't have to read out Super Chats on the CBC because they just steal money from you in tax time to pay their bills. I'm more, most grateful to you for chipping in voluntarily. All right, we're, we're joined now live from the Beauce, Quebec, <laughs> by our friend David the Menzoy Menzies. David, uh, you haven't been handcuffed this time. Boy, you took a lot of abuse in this campaign, but you still take a licking and keep on ticking. 
Well, yeah, and I am wearing a Timex watch there, Ezra. Yeah, uh, no handcuffs. When he said this, I was left going, I don't even understand what he's saying with the Timex watch. Because he just said time is ticking. Oh. Like, reverse oh, Okay, no, okay, so Ezra said that. and it... He said the most okay. boomer catchphrase ever. Yeah, I, that totally went whoop right over Yeah. Because there was too much of a space there, too. Like, it would no, have been one said, thing if, like, they were in the same room and he's like, time's a ticking. Well, I'm wearing my the Timex watch. Yeah, and like, he said, what's going on? Menzies, the time is ticking. And then he goes, which is like, my mom says that all the yeah. time. So I just cringed a little. But then he goes, and I'm wearing a Rolex watch. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like that, that was a yeah. good attempt to be funny yeah it's not it's a there's really there's a lot of attempts to, <laughs> there's a lot of attempts that just do not fucking there's a bunch like, of old men doing this that's why and a and a boring woman and, and a young racist ageist, man but like <laughs> they're really fucking boring i think i retired my hockey gear a couple of years too early ezra should have kept it going for this election you know, uh, we're joking, but it's actually not funny. The level of abuse directed towards any independent journalist was shocking. It wasn't just the bans. Like, we literally had to go to federal court to get a judge to order the press gallery to let us attend the leaders' debate, and you and Keen did a great job there. But that's the least of it. You guys were pushed, and not just by strangers, by the prime minister's personal staff, by his personal bodyguards. It was shocking and if you had been a CBC reporter being pushed around by, let's say, Stephen Harper's personal uh, uh, court uh, palace guard, that would have been top of the news. But look, uh, when it's conservative journalists or independent journalists, all these free speech media rights uh, types, they actually don't even care. Well, no, you're absolutely right about that, Ezra. And uh, what you're saying is not hypothetical. Um, I think on Friday, because I read about this on the weekend, there was a CTV cameraman that was really roughed out outside of uh, i think it was a toronto courthouse it was a, a case involving a tow truck driver uh being convicted of a, a few years and his allies were there and they roughed up that ctv cameraman and that's appalling and i hate the fact that anybody in the fifth in, in the media uh is being roughed up it's such a weird little side story considering that like that incident that he's describing probably had nothing to do with uh, conservative or liberal politics <laughs> and so it's like Ezra's trying to spin the, and this is like da David's always like this so like he just doesn't get it where like you can tell Ezra's crafting this victim narrative of yeah. like these people always going after conservative reporters and it's always the liberal like the liberal media will never cover it and here David Menzies like oh I know this story boss <laughs> this one this one dude also got beat up and it was sad too he, he's just so goofy. Um, as you well know, when Kian and I uh, showed up at the French language debate on that Thursday, the media came to us and it wasn't to congratulate us on a precedent setting legal free speech freedom of the press case. It was trying to tell one of us to take one for the team and leave because we had double coverage and that's just way too much rebel for them. And I tried to say, yeah, we have double coverage now. But that's to make up for the fact that we had zero coverage. So they, they played a clip, and I'm not going to play it. They play it, like, so many times since it's happened. And it really does not make them look good. And it's just annoying. It's basically them going, hey, you're two rebel people in the line. 
Yeah. Why don't like you stagger it a bit so we can give more opportunities to other yeah. journalists? And David Menzies just responds to that by basically being like, are you telling us, are you forcing us out? Are you forcing it? And they're like, no, it's, it's just polite. Like other Wait, people. Want... Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they keep framing, they have to frame it as, that we were left out of the election coverage the whole time as like a justification for being dicks at this thing, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you're just dicks. So that we yeah. let, they have to be like, oh, we were left out of the coverage for the whole thing. So stop being mean to us. That's David. And that was his, you know, David clip. I don't think they play a, a Sheila clip, but Ezra does say some weird fucking shit. <laughs> during this clip when talking to Sheila. And and also note, I've said this before, and you're going to hear a lot of it today, which is Sheila is super boring. Like, she's not a good communicator on okay. on podcasts. Yeah, you know, I don't know if the, uh, the phrase battered women's syndrome is still politically correct to say anymore. Uh, maybe there, maybe that's, you can't say those words. But I don't know what's going on. The worse the CBC treats Andrew Scheer, I mean, for God's sakes, Rosemary Barton personally sued the party and they're rolling out the red carpet. I mean, if someone was suing me, I would not invite them to my Christmas party. And I think the proper answer when the CBC sues the Conservative Party is, holy moly, we're adversarial, we're antagonistic. You'd better not come to our election night event because... Uh, I guess we should save it for court. Like, imagine inviting someone into your house after they sue you and humiliate you. You've got to be into some sort of BDSM uh, to get into that. I don't even get it. <laughs> so, how do you, first, how do you feel about Ezra calling Andrew Shear a battered woman? And whether that's PC or not. Well... <laughs> Because, and he's saying I mean, this because the CBC has been mean to him. Like, that's the whole... The CBC... I thought he was saying it in the sense of, like... And they're treating him like he's a battered woman, like he's a victim. That's what I thought he was trying no, to I, say. So I think what, what Ezra's getting at, at least from my, my understanding... Well, there was a, a common trope about battered women, which is that they wouldn't leave they'd be afraid and wouldn't want to leave their, their spouse who's okay. abusing them. Yeah. Right? And so the, tr the thing that I think Ezra is playing on is that Sheer is behaving like a battered woman in that the CBC keeps punching him and he keeps running back to the oh, CBC. Oh, okay. Which is why he's invited the CBC to his election night event. Oh, so he's just being a demeaning asshole right. about women's situations when they're being abused. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, again... Whether it's PC or not, the surrounding context of him framing it this way is pretty why is fucking the disgusting. better question is like, why does his mind go to sexual things all the time when he wants to like talk about politicians? Like, if you have he, to go yes. back and listen to this thing over or keep going back to them over and over again, you must be into some BDSM. Like, that's what he's picturing. There's some bizarre... He, yeah, his mind is constantly on sex. I feel like Ezra is one of those, like, really conservative guys that secretly pays a dominatrix to, like, abuse him. <laughs> <laughs> like, he secretly likes to be humiliated. Maybe? Yeah. Like, some I don't know. weird shit like that. I imagine that there's probably some... Oh, yeah. Some For deviant sure. sexual behavior 
that uh, he would get off on that. That uh, I wouldn't hold that past him. But it is it is weird though. Like the, I, it's weird that that hasn't like occurred to me. That like I've been listening to this for so long. He mentions he it brings all... it up all the fucking time. And it's not just like sex in general. It's like weird sex yeah. stuff. And he always gets it in with like a creepy voice too. When he and then he's he kind of up. like <laughs> still can't get over this one when he was talking about the. Uh, like a beautiful virgin bride, like yeah. when he was. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> right, right. Ah, that was good. Uh, but or another comment is like that we heard earlier today. Are they... Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Or the fact that he's like, she's got like a secret love box under her bed. I'm like, you've done that. You did that. You were that weird kid in high school that yeah. probably like liked a girl. And we're like, oh, like, she's here. Like, I have a memento of her that I'm going to put in this box. Why else would he know that? Or maybe he's into that creepy stuff like that, right? Like, I just there's, Yeah, like... there's got to be some weird sexual history going on. <laughs> or it's like when he talks about people's outfits as well. Like, he's like, just the way he describes them is in a sexual nature. Or the fact yeah. that he's talking about Trudeau as a pool boy, which has sexual innuendos to it. Like, yeah. he brings up sex a lot. Yep. I think maybe, or maybe he does have like a weird fetish thing or just something odd about him, right? That he likes, but he's like suppressing it. So it's coming out this Well, that, way. that was the thing I was just going to say. It's either that or some kind of like... Or he's just one of those secret guys that pay like dominatrix, like humiliate himself and make him cry or something like that. Like, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bad boy. <laughs> it was, it was, I'm a good boy. <laughs> I'm a good boy. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. My God, <laughs> that's, it, that's that's a dominated Ezra, <laughs> sub Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> we need fanfic of a submissive Ezra. Oh my God, that's just I never expected this clip to take us down this direction. <laughs> okay, I think Sheila's coming in here, so we'll just move to her. <laughs> word from you sheila and then we'll come back to my buddy kian who's sitting right here in toronto with me sure well i want to give you a couple observations um so the man who tried to block david and kian from asking too many pesky questions at that french language leaders debate um whose his name escapes me right now but the head of the parliamentary press gallery he's about a riser and a half over for me and boy oh boy Boy, oh boy, when he saw my mic flash, so uh, boy, oh boy, as all the other journalists uncomfortable. <laughs> um, you pay his salary, so Darn he right better we do. be all ma'am and ma'am and miss and ma'am. And if he ain't, you let me know. I will. <laughs> okay, great to see you. And just give us a holler when things start cooking there. In- what? <laughs> He's like, he better be all ma'am and miss and ma'am and ma'am. It's like, you could not think of anything other than ma'am and miss. <laughs> like, I have no fucking clue what's happening Boy, here. oh boy. Boy, oh, you tell me what's cooking. <laughs> it's, like, it's like we went back in time for like, oh my God. How old is oh, He's got to be 50? In his 50s, maybe? Oh, yeah. It's like he was born in a wrong time period. Yeah. Like, he should have been older. Like, he should be really in his 70s or his 80s. Yeah. But he was born a decade too late, and he's just really trying to keep it alive. <laughs> well, I imagine it could be his conservative upbringing was a couple decades behind the times. 
I imagine. I mean, I don't know much about his past. This makes now that we got all this like interesting sexual attention and like other stuff going on. I wish like can we do uh, a special episode just on Ezra's life? Yeah, but I don't. I mean, that's going to be a tricky thing. I'm not an investigative journalist, and I don't know how many people have like. We should do an episode on as much of his past that I can dig up before yeah. he got into media stuff and yeah, or even during his time at like Sun. If we can Sun find News. stuff of him growing up and what that was, yeah, like. I'll have to begin the research and see like what I can find and yeah. whether avenues. He's gotta have like a Wikipedia could page. Be, well, I mean, he has a Wikipedia page. He'll have but some. <laughs> I bet you right now he probably has some like early life events. Oh, he's born in 1972. How old does that make him? his 40s i'm always younger than i thought yeah my dad's older than he is my dad's well, I only knew 52 my parents would be older than me. that's crazy. he's older than uh he's younger than my mom that means he's only like 10 years older than me yeah how old is he like 19 40 1972 40 what, what would that make him? 47 46 okay so he's yeah he's, he's like almost... 15 maybe years older than me ew 14 years yeah yeah that's that's weird okay well we'll do it okay we'll do so there you go story. we're yeah. doing an episode on that sorry we'll go back to election <laughs> stuff so yeah they get they he then turns to kian who's in the room with him and they're going to talk about greta that, why well the night before the election or was it the night before no it was, a couple no, it was the friday before yeah it broke that he had basically harassed greta and we're going to play the clip yeah and it is did you see it it's yeah. it's bad <laughs> but we'll see the, the all over Twitter. It. Well, coming back to here in our Toronto headquarters, Keen, you've been very, very patient. I know you're a man who likes to talk, and you uh, are, are very, uh, you use your words very well. Can I just play one of my dozen favorite Kean clips before yes. you give us an update? You, I know you've been, stu- as I've been. And, and I want to pause there because you can hear how giddy he is at the beginning of this night. So this like election coverage just started. He talked to David, talked to Sheila. Now he's talking to Kean like he's just, he's so into this. And he's like Kean's so happy. all here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, by the end of the night, it's not going to be as giddy. <laughs> Kibitzing with our reporters you've been studying. But uh, oh, there's so many. There's so many great moments. Um, Let's do the recent one with Greta. Okay, yeah. I mean, in some ways, that's not particularly uh, an, I mean, an election issue. She's not a member of the party, but she is absolutely a dark money third party campaign force that deliberately came to the oil sands on the eve of the election to interfere. And let me preface this so let me preface this a reminder that ezra also gets a lot of dark foreign money yeah, yeah constantly yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> whether it's that. on the eve of an election or not we we approached greta uh in the business center of a hotel uh she was having a conversation with her handlers her bbc handlers this is a foreign-run state broadcaster that is for some reason uh shepherding greta throughout north america and particularly in canada in the middle of our election This was the day before she hosted a major political rally in Edmonton, bringing thousands of people, busing them in from other cities. And she said expressly, this was not political. Climate change is not a political thing. It's science, she told me. That's what she told me at Ex-Cathedral. St. Greta said this. Um, St. Greta. Um, (laughs) But when we... What if, like, uh, a person from the States who's, like high up in a corporation like Taco Bell goes, I want a Taco Bell on every corner and is in the middle of an election period. Are they now like foreign agitators? election? Like merely like coming up and holding a rally that has nothing to do with the election itself. Just being like, 
Climate change like is important, right? Like that's just because it's also an election issue doesn't mean that that's the equivalent of meddling in electoral No, it's politics. not meddling, but it is drawing concern to that specific issue that is highlighted in our election. But does that mean like any time we have an election, like no foreign person is allowed to talk at all about the, <laughs> the political topics that like... So if anybody uh, in the States at any well, you've, point... you've said it in the past that these people don't like the globalist idea of like other foreign individuals well, yeah, I mean, coming in and telling us what to do. They like the idea of nationalism, but it's so fucking ridiculous because majority of the issues that we're talking about when we're at that election period all have to do with an interconnected global world. Like right. everything that we do here affects other countries. So they have as just as much of a right to come here and talk about the issues like climate change, which if we don't do something here could affect other countries. Well, the question is just whether or not it would break election laws. So like we do have laws against like certain kinds of foreign endorsements, which is why something like Barack Obama endorsing Trudeau was at least investigated as to whether or not it broke election laws. And even that did not but break election laws. she's not endorsing anybody. Right. She's just talking about an issue and you're allowed to. And you can but especially even... be like, this is a problem pol politicians need to get involved in. Like, I'm actually disappointed that she didn't say it's a political issue. Yeah. I know it's just <laughs> I know it's scientific, but it's also politicized. And that's an issue with scientists as well that it have as a large whole is they don't get political. They don't like politics. They don't want to get involved. But the things they study go undervalued, underfunded. They are demeaned in the broader society. All the research that we have that's so evidently grounded and is so well done gets completely ignored and dismissed by all these politicians because they're underqualified to really understand the systemic issues. But then we don't have any scientists willing to step up and lead the way. Like I, I, well, I think Greta actually understands that and would agree with you. But okay. the issue is yeah. that she's aware that these people exist and knows that she can't say certain things. Yeah, that sure. It's a defense it. against. Well, because it's not just them. Jason Kenney who's the premier of the province she's visiting, yeah. has organized a war room to go against foreign agitators from entering Alberta and fighting environmentalist causes. A war room? Yeah, we covered it briefly on this show, and like it hasn't gone big, but he has created what he's described as a war room to, go, uh, to get rid of foreign agitators on propagating environmental causes, yeah. But there's other people that are like... Which is Canadian why Ezra indigenous... wants them to go after the turkey farms. <laughs> but there's Canadian indigenous groups as well that are climate, like they're pro-environment. Yeah. They're trying to help the issue of climate change and like fix those issues that we're having. So what are you going to do about that then? Well, I don't think they can do anything about that. I don't think they can do anything about people like Extinction Rebellion, which is a, a British movement. Or even Greta coming over, right? But it's 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 all posturing to them. It's them saying that like this foreign money again. It's the fear of the outsider. It's yeah. it's mere because I I highly doubt nothing has happened yet. But I highly doubt that Kenny's actually going to persecute people or go after people. But it's you, all just posturing yeah, and making people. But afraid. could you just imagine like how ridiculous of a fear that really is? Like, let's really get down. I think you've even said this before in the past. Like, how ridiculous is it that, oh, you made everything a little cleaner. <laughs> you saved some energy. You saved, you know, all the oil that we're digging up and our natural resources. 
even though there wasn't a real threat. Ooh, how horrible that you're doing all those things. You made the world a better place. How scary, right? Like, it's just a weird thing to be scared of. You're scared that people are going to jump on this, like, climate issues bandwagon and change their lifestyles, which are shown to be better. Like, I'm just confused. Like I, and, I, and and every point of their thing don't doesn't make any sense. Like the fear about job losses and stuff like that. If you get a good left leaning government in there that can handle that that kind of transition, it can be done. But then even this is why they've already covered on their show the uh, we briefly touched on it. I, I didn't dive deep into it. Was like stuff about how like oh windmills are not as good. And solar panels are environmentally not friendly because they have components that are toxic. And so if they break and decompose, you can't recycle them in the same ways. Right. So they'll just like find ways of going on and on about how we're not there yet. And, and all these talking points either come from other oil. Well, they all come from other energy sectors, whether they're oil or nuclear or or whatever yeah because like they all have a very like a different stake in this and it's all monetary and it's just super annoying when it's like we should just be moving to renewables because in the end they're going to be better right and like trying to to uh invest in new technologies and try to get people to retool for different jobs and try but what they're spending their energy doing is creating a fucking war room to get mad at activists. And how is that not a waste of money or resources? It's a big fucking waste of money. Exactly. Got to this rally, Sheila Gunn-Reed and myself were there in Edmonton, and there were Green Party banners and there were NDP Party organizers there signing people up. This was a political rally organized by a foreign operative. And I'm not saying Greta Thornburg. <laughs> is an operative. She's a 16-year-old child actor. She's a pawn. She's a, a, like a She's child. A like yeah. one of those little girls Double who agent. pageants who's got this crazy pageant mom. With a nice accent. That's, yeah. That's what Greta Thunberg How dare is. you? Okay, well, here's Pause this because listen to how he goes back to talking about this creepy little, like, what, it's like this, so child pageantries are really just, let's be honest, like a cover for men's secret sexual fantasies with small children like i don't know if you've ever seen like yeah i know it's it's creepy was it uh toddlers and tiaras where they'll be like this is uh my wife watch it well she doesn't watch his marianne and marianne (laughs) is sweet as apple pie and she likes to doodle and her coloring book and that's how they talk my wife has watched a lot of documentaries that are like criticism like criticisms of these industries and stuff like that because it's creepy and it's weird and it's like if you've actually seen what they're like it's like dressing up little girls like they're adult women making them get what's called flippers which is like fake perfect teeth so you don't see all their baby teeth missing they make them get airbrushed the day of so they look older and more mature they put fake eyelashes on their daughters who are like five sometimes even younger they go all the way to like two three years old and then get them these expensive gowns and everything. And then it's it's just a way to, like, sexualize really, really young little girls. Like, even your daughter in a couple of months can enter a beauty pageant. Like, two-year-olds can enter. So, yeah. like, that's just weird. And it's really odd. So the fact that he's going back to that she's a pageant, this little pageant girl. And then he was even, Kian is even saying with a very nice accent, like they have this tendency to like really like sexualize the situation. It's so weird. There's more to this part. And again, I don't think I have them playing this clip, but 
There's been a constant clip whenever they've talked about Greta. They always bring up her mother. And they always play this one clip. And I had never seen the video of it because I just listened to the audio podcast. But I watched the live stream on video. And I finally saw the video of this clip. So they would play this clip and they would say that it's Greta's mother. And it is Greta's mother. And all you can hear on the audio is her going like, like just this weird fucking thing. And then they're like, see, she's crazy. And I've always been like, I have no context as to why she's crazy in this clip other than she's just making noises. And when, when you see the video, so apparently her mom is some kind of like drama teacher or something like this. And there's a video of her, which is clearly some like, staged thing where like everyone in the video is wearing masks and she's like this queen leader thing walking around going do 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 like i'm such a queen person and all the little people in masks are following her and i'm just like this is some sort of like film or theatrical presentation. Like, yet you're using this to say that the mom is crazy and somehow like raised a mentally ill child. Because those are like the connections they're trying to make. Yeah. Like, Greta is mentally ill. Well, have you seen her mother? Like, that's constantly like what like they're it's doing. And it's hereditary. like, yeah. have you not seen a play before? <laughs> no, that's bad. I think one of the most exciting interactions in the whole campaign, Key and Bexty. And Greta Thunberg. I've never been to Sweden. Oh, no. Is it, uh, is it worth going? I imagine so. It's, it's, it's worth going, yeah. <laughs> but it's fall. Yeah. And you live here in Edmonton? I, I live in Calgary, actually. Calgary, yeah. yes. Yeah. Can, I, can I ask? I'm curious. You know, Calgary's an oil city. Yeah. Why don't you guys go to China or Saudi Arabia? Protest yeah. them. Because right now I'm here and I stopped flying. So to go there, that would have to... But I mean, I went here because I received an invitation mm-hmm. to go here. If I received an invitation to go to China, I would, of course, go to China. Invitation from who? I mean, I don't know. Anyone? Anyone. She went to North America because, because the United the Nations invited United her here. Nations. And then I decided to stay here because of the COP25 in Chile. So that's been okay. a yeah. And I'm right. sure she would get some kind of an invitation to yeah. China as well. Fair enough. And she would definitely go, as well as to India. Yeah. India, oh yes. and uh, As long as you get to the Eurasian continent, it's much easier to get around. Yeah. 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 Right now I'm stuck on this continent. <laughs> Will you yeah. be flying home? Um, no. No, I, I don't know. Take a boat back? Yeah. If it's possible. Yeah. Do you think that it's appropriate to have a, sort, a child who talked about mental illness and be exploiting it in Sorry, such a way? Taking her around the country, sort of whoever gives you a Tesla, do you think that that's appropriate when you've talked about Greta's mental illness? I have a mental illness. (laughs) You don't have severe autism? That's sort of. Oh my gosh. So you think that it's completely acceptable to be bringing a 16 year old across the country? I just love that she's laughing at him. Like, you're. Yeah, I was just thinking that. I brought him, actually. Yeah. So So will you be disclosing your finances? Will you be telling us who is paying for your trip, your Tesla, and bringing you to our country in the middle of an election? Thank you very much. I'm You're paying for everything. You paid for the Tesla? No one's paying for the Tesla. What? You borrowed the Tesla for free from New York. Yeah. 
Yeah, Would, have, you, have you registered as a third party advertiser coming to this country in the middle of an election period? It's the middle of an election, you understand that. Have, have you registered as a third party advertiser? I'm sure she will not talk about the elections. I have not mentioned the election. Yeah. You understand that climate change is a pivotal policy, uh, is a ballot box I'm question this election. Right now, so. This is a ballot box question this election, and you're you're rallying, you're doing political, you're engaging in our political discourse as a foreigner. Climate change is politics, is it not? Science. Climate, and so is science going to solve it? Would you like a technical solution to climate change or would you like politicians I'd to solve really it? I'd really appreciate it if you stopped talking to us right now. We have a meeting. Yeah. Um, and this is so you're, you're engaging in political discourse yeah, in a foreign country we, as a foreign yeah, citizen. Thank you very much. Will you be Will you be disclosing your finances and will you be registering as a third party operative? He's chasing them down the hall at this point. And you can notice as well that they said you've now... This has reached harassment and we will call the police on you. Yeah. This is what he does every time. Exactly. It's not reporting. It's well, harassing it's, it's people. It's leading questions, too. It's yeah. like he already has the an answer. So why the fuck are you even answering? Like asking the question you should. It's manipulative, too, because he starts off with kind of like. Soft friendly qu questions. Yeah. And then all of a sudden on a dime in the middle of nowhere turns it on. He turns away from Greta and asks the adults in the room and be like, did like, do you not feel like you're exploiting a child with mental illness? Like and with like that child laughing, sitting like, like right sit, there. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's super gross and exploitative when he I mean, if anything, he's doing the exploitative thing, not like the other people yeah. in the room. I, yeah, I just, interesting thing. That's really good. Can I just ask you a quick question? How dare you? <laughs> The interesting thing was that they said they were going to call the cops right after I asked that question and that I really came there to ask, which is, uh, why are you engaging in politics in a foreign country? Are you going to disclose your funding? Uh, and then they said, yeah, we're going to call the police on you, yeah. your own police officers. We're going to call them on you for asking questions that are a little bit too tough. And I had every right to be there. They were started. They, they were having a conversation in a business center. I had a hotel room in that hotel. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, it's just despicable what they're doing to the 16-year-old. The whole framing there of like they just like freaked out because i was asking tough questions no they started to freak out when you started calling someone mentally ill who's not mentally ill yeah that's when they started freaking out and then you started chasing them down the hall going well, just are you a third did you yeah. register a third party yeah well it's just accusations right so they're like we don't this isn't what we want to engage with no and they don't have to engage them like he he can be like like, maybe they were in the hotel lobby, and that's fine. Well, and part of me goes, like, did you find out what hotel they were staying at so that you could get this, like, jump on them? Which, is, again, it's like it's... It's stalking. Yeah. Stalking, and stalking then, like... Stalking in public places are still stalking. That's what people do. They'll follow people privately and then ambush them in public areas. But it's not like this person is a politician leaving like a, a vote or something event, yeah. or, this is like a person doing and so there reaches a level of like if they tell you to leave me like leave us alone leave them alone like don't chase them to wherever they're going and shove a microphone in their face so i'm going to play you another clip uh, do we have that uh, campaign video of uh jamie saying i want to show you a video and um I think I've watched it five times. Um, it, was a, it was a video put out by Jagmeet Singh 
I don't know if it was styled as an ad, but I think it was. I mean, what else would it be? And it's, um, there's not a word of policy. There's not even really a slogan in it. It's just a pure feeling ad. And I watched it and I thought, Jagmeet Singh actually doesn't have that much to say. So why force him to say anything? Just show him being cool and young and dancing. I think he's younger than Trudeau. I'd have to double check that. And I got a real vibe. This was Trudeau 2015. The happy, aren't I cool, I'm hip, but without the blackface racism or the gropey, handsy, fake feminism. I don't think there's a huge market for this stuff, but I can see it carving away two, three, four, five percent of the millennial and Generation Z vote. Here, take a look at this ad that made it made, made me want to get up and, and jiggle a bit. Take a look. So they play that clip of the dancing thing that I had mentioned earlier. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I've never, I've seen the video now because I watched their coverage. Okay. But I don't remember seeing this video. Yeah, I have. I know exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah well, I think it was taken from his Victoria event and it shows him jumping and then they play a bunch of clips of him jumping. At, it's like, not other really events. an ad though. No, well, I mean, it's an ad in like, uh, hey, look, we're the NDP. But it, I'm, the, the funny thing is him saying that he has nothing else to say. Because I think the clips and things that have gotten him the most attention is when he has said things like, we're going to tax the rich, have, have been his more popular uh, messaging strategy. And I actually think that accounts for the kind of like upswing that we saw in his uh, polling. Because before the election started, he wasn't. One of my frustrations with him was that he wasn't being bold enough with some of the policy positions. And he would like walk certain things back and be like dental coverage, but you have to make like uh, more th or less than 70,000 a year to get the free dental coverage, right? Rather than just going, this is a universal program, like a Bernie Sanders kind of thing. Right? Yeah. And it wasn't until like he started going, no, we're dental for everyone, tax the rich, like, that's when his popularity started to, to increase. Yeah. And I think part of that is because there's a starved left-leaning base in this country that wants a politician that's going to be more left-wing, that doesn't cater towards the center. It's annoying because all he's played of Singh since Ezra has talked about Singh is things like him making the poutine and him doing the dancing. Yeah, and it's trying like, to make you're him just... feel like a celebrity that's just fun but doesn't have anything. Well, it's not. It's uh, like one of my favorite clips that Jagmeet sent was the one where it was like playing that song that was like, yep, nope. Oh, and, yeah, like, yeah. And that he was shows pointing you. out yeah. like policies and stuff. Yeah. Uh, On and... TikTok. Right. And so it's yeah. like he had more than just the two videos that you've shown. No, what he's show. trying to do is like group him in with Justin Trudeau saying, oh, he's just a pretty boy. He's yep. just, you know, getting young people's attention. He doesn't really have anything substantial. That's what he's he's trying to do. And like we've we've talked, I think there's elements of Jagmeet Singh that I think fit that kind of model. Like he's not he's not working class. Yeah. He's it, right. And so there's elements of that. But at the same time, it's like if a politician wants to dance in a video, let him fucking dance. <laughs> and if it's going to woo some pe the the dance demographic, then let him woo the dance demographic. Uh, but you're going to find out that Sheila, Sheila really hates fun, which is <laughs> not That's too surprising. surprising. Yeah. Trudeau tried that shtick now. I, I think people would say, ah, oh, shut up, sit down. 
Uh, Jamie Singh can still sort of pull it off. I don't know. I mean, is there anyone that hollow and vacuous? You betcha. And the whole push to lower the voting age to 16. That's who they're after. That's my thought. What do you think of that, Sheila? And then I'll come back to Kian here in, in Toronto. Yeah, that video has the opposite effect on me that it has on you. You want to get up and jiggle, and that just makes me want to sit down and cringe. Um, but but I, that's because I like my politicians boring, wearing sweaters, um, with petting rescue cats like Stephen Harper. Um, At least she's honest. But it's true. That is exactly the sort of... Um, emotion and the enthusiasm that surrounded Justin Trudeau back in 2014-2015 and uh, it looks like the NDP could benefit from uh, some of the passing of the torch to Jagmeet Singh. Yeah, I just I just wanted to note something. Jagmeet Singh is only seven years younger than Ezra Levant. Take that in. Look so, at the look at the <laughs> like, just look at the difference in like characteristics like yeah like, I didn't know Ezra was this young now like, I can't... absorb like absorb the fact that Jugmeet Singh is only that's super weird like what now I I just we need to know what happened in his past yeah so it, it's it's almost like there's skeletons in those skeletons. yeah absolutely <laughs> actually. Yeah, no, we need to do, I think, a whole show just on that. But so he's seven years younger. I feel like um, Ezra just skipped, like he didn't want to be in the generation. Maybe he was like bullied a lot. Maybe he's like one of those kids that like really get obsessed with the time period. So they want to do everything about that time period. <laughs> so his was just the 1950s. Like, because he says things he that just like- He really couldn't get into Nirvana. Yeah, like, he was just, like, all the popular kids like that. So, like, they make fun of me because I, like, button-ups and suspenders. He's a Gen Xer then, isn't he? So he wouldn't even be a boomer. No, he's not a boomer. Oh, my God. This changes my whole perception on who Ezra is. Exactly. So, so there's just... so it actually, all his guests on the show are all boomers. Like, what is that? This is what I'm saying. I think he was just one of those kids that, like, grew up thinking they were in the wrong generation and he just emulated the worst generation ever. I, I guarantee you, he was on the high school debate team. He was, actually. I was looking up on the <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. I'll get, well, well, again, we'll have to do a separate episode on this because I just read some really fun stuff. But, so um, terrible. Yeah. So. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna, I like this just because, uh, we're going to talk about the two Berniers. So uh, oh, did you know that, that there was, was another Bernier that fun. ran? Fun, yes. Yeah. The rhinoceros so, <laughs> party Bernier. Yeah, for people who don't know, there was a second Bernier that ran in Maxime Bernier's riding, who was also named Maxime Bernier, but he was running he for the... legally rhino- changed his name to Maxime <laughs> Bernier and ran against Maxime Bernier of the People's Party. Yeah. And they actually did an investigation thinking that he stole votes from Maxine Bernier because people got confused because he got like a thousand and something votes. It still wasn't enough. But Bernier lost by 5,000 votes. So they were saying even if they gave him all of the rhinoceros party votes, then he still would have lost. Well, then you can predict. So this is before they know that Bernier lost, but they can already tell that Bernier is not in the lead. And you can see their thought process here. So 1,000 votes for, 1,023 votes for Maxime Bernier and then 1,221 votes for the conservative 
challenger. So there's about 3,500 votes counted, and the gap between the conservative and Bernier is just under 200. It's not done, but that is a lead. That is a fair lead. David, last word to you. Um, are people there worried that Maxime Bernier himself might not pull through, or do they have some information we don't have, perhaps from some scrutineers? Well, I'll give you some information, Ezra. If this is indeed a photo finish horse race, which is what it's shaping up to be and what it was predicted to be, there's a lot of resentment over the fact, I don't know how many of our viewers know this, but there is two Maxime Bernays <laughs> on this ballot. Maxime Bernier, the leader of the People's Party of Canada, and Maxime Bernier of the Rhinoceros Party, spelt exactly the same way. So think about it, gentlemen. If this comes down to a couple of dozen votes, you have to wonder, and there's no way of ever knowing, did somebody vote for the wrong Maxime Bernier? <laughs> Grace, and there is a lot of, you know, finger pointing, you know, you know about Operation Cactus, uh, the uh, Warren Kinsella uh, liberal mudslinger for hire um, uh, fiasco. There, there is speculation, uh, Bernier himself, Maxime Bernier of the PPC, that is, has said it, that he thinks that this was uh, a Kinsella project. Uh, Kinsella has denied it, and there's no proof of that. But I, I think... Uh, it, it would be a shame if there are people voting for Maxine Bernier and they are actually voting for the wrong one. Hmm. Well, uh, you know, it is a habit of the rhinoceros party to do something silly like that. I recall in the past them running people with similar or identical names. And it is a frustration to democracy. I love that so much. What's so great about that is if people actually did vote, for the wrong Bernier, it actually does show the flaws in democracy because misinformed yeah. people <laughs> participating yeah. in the democratic right is actually not democracy. Like people think it's this idea like you can just go and do whatever and have your own voice, but there there's an element in democracy where you're supposed to have be informed, have the right yep. to be informed. So if people are going to the ballot to vote and they don't even know what the party they're voting for, because it's not like it just says Maxine Bernier on the ballot. It actually tells you what party they're a part of as right. well. That's fucking stupid. I have to say that. <laughs> but you can tell, like, they're already they're already starting to get worried. And they're starting and, to, like... Yeah, the conspiracy is starting to go. And again, it, it didn't amount to much. I mean, I still love it that this person changed their name and did that. <laughs> That's that's going back, the long though. the long way for that that to land. I hope they're gonna change it back to whatever their name was. I would I would remain with Maxine Bernier. You would just forever be like, Maxine Bernier because it's like remember that joke I did. No, I'd be so embarrassed. Oh, could you imagine like always showing your license or any identification what? and you. Your name's it's like, like, I'm the guy from the Rhinoceros Party. No, they're going to be like, oh, that People's Party guy. That's what they're going to think right away. It would have been amazing if he won the Rhinoceros Party guy. That would have been fun. Yeah, it would have mixed things up a little bit. <laughs> then they uh, would be like, what the fuck are we going to do now? I actually yeah. have to actually go to Ottawa <laughs> and do stuff. Here, maybe he'd be progressive. I don't know. So it's now at this point starting to sink in that, uh, you know, we're getting a liberal minority. And they're slowly realizing that Bernier is not going to win. Uh, so they bring on Andrew Lawton, who's oh. sitting beside Sheila. And they have a really interesting discussion about the future of conservatives in politics. 
I got one more question for you, Andrew, and it's great to see you. Thanks for sitting down with us, and I'm so glad you're there because I know you and Sheila fight for freedom all the time. I, I saw you both in London, England, fighting for press freedom around the world, too. Uh, I see the news, Kean points it out to me, that in the Bose, uh, 31 out of 242 polls are in, so I don't know, about almost 15%, and it looks like the conservative lead over Maxime Bernier is opening up. There's now a 7% lead, 36% to 29%. Uh, Do you think that's the end of the PPC if, yeah. if Maxime loses? Is that... Yeah, I think that Maxime Bernier has a real chance of losing tonight. What do you think will happen? Because when he was an MP, it gave him status and stature and office and access and a budget and a forum and all the accoutrements of power. If he's a former MP, well, that's not any of those things. Do you think the PPC will survive if Maxime Bernier himself does not? It's funny you mentioned that, and I think there's going to be a lot more analysis that I'm going to have to do in the coming days as far as what the PPC numbers truly are, even if they don't win. You know, there is an argument if he wants to have longevity and he wants to keep plugging away to do it, but I don't think that's going to happen. Vote-wise, I mean, if you find a lot of the PPC people uh, have been tweeting things showing that the Reform Party had a similar uh, first election, and so the idea that, like, oh, they'll grow... And also Bernier, I don't have the clips here, but Bernier says that he's going to keep the PPC party going during his concession speech. Yeah. And then uh, David Menzies interviews Bernier, but nothing important happened there. He's also on Twitter, I think, said that he's taking a break for a bit to recruit after the election, but that he's going to come back in full force yeah. for the PPC. So. Who knows? Maybe he is going to try to keep the party going. ...with, you know, Dave Rubin and the intellectual dark web. So I think maybe he's going to move to being more of a cultural force. I don't know. This is just speculative. Yeah. Oh, there's so much problems with that. It's just funny, too, because, like, I, I feel like this is like an invitation, too. Is like he could become like one of us <laughs> and join the grip. Next week, Ezra Levant introduces <laughs> the new member of the Rebel News... Maxine Bernier. Right? Could you imagine Maxine Bernier stalking Greta at a hotel? <laughs> yes, I definitely can. Have um, you seen him at the debates? Yeah. He doesn't yeah. even let people answer his own questions that he has against them. <laughs> he can clearly move from politics to being this like Dave Rubin, Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson That's figure. That's scary, yeah. Know? And that would be scary, but I don't, I don't think he has the same charisma the thing is in politics nothing moves unless it's pushed and it's one thing to say well andrew Shear didn't win tonight he didn't win a majority he didn't win a minority in fact although it looks like he's on track to pick up two dozen seats uh the, the big winner is actually the Bloc quebecois so far now we haven't counted bc yet but if if there's no one to push him i mean jason kenny theoretically could leave alberta politics so soon. Doug Ford could theoretically leave so soon. He doesn't speak French. Um, my favorite guy, Brad Wall, the pre former premier of Saskatchewan, he doesn't speak French. And I think speaking French is, uh, although look, I mean, it didn't help Andrew Scheer win in Quebec. I think Ontarians like to see that a leader is trying to speak French. I think Stephen Harper had to do it to, to succeed. 
I don't see anyone in the caucus who's really serious. Lisa Raitt lost tonight. Um, I don't believe that Peter McKay has the juice. Uh, I think that Andrew Scheer might just sort of slouch along because there's no one with the, the gravitas momentum or the hunger to push him out. What do you think of that, Sheila? Basically, there's him speculating that Kenny should be the successor. And that's something that eventually Ezra's going to start doubling down on, in part because he's realizing that there's no one else to really run for that position. So as he said, Lisa Raitt lost. And like Doug Ford doesn't speak French, so he's like, can't go for that. Uh, which he shouldn't go for that regardless. <laughs> uh, and then being like Jesse Kennedy or Jason Kenny is the only one. But like, what does that mean for Alberta politics? Like, I don't know. And I guess Jason Kenny can speak French, but he's also crazy. And uh, with his war room, war room, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. This this has put them in a spot of they don't know necessarily where they're going. But I'm going to predict, Kian that Trudeau doesn't do any formal coalition. He just governs in a way that the NDP and the Greens will support. And that's what Stephen Harper did during his minority. This is actually a, a really good uh, guess from him. So, so far, Trudeau has been signaling that it's he's not no, going to form a coalition. And, and maybe this will be how he goes. He'll just govern in a way that can gain NDP and... Uh, other other third-party support. I don't know. The big question is, is picking up, I don't know, Is this a seats. victory for Scheer? Yeah. Like, I, is this really what he was But the thing is, for? who is, I mean, the heir apparent was obvious until he quit to form the, the People's Party. Had Maxime Bernier stayed within the tent, he would be the obvious choice right now. And frankly, he would be yeah. agitating to defenestrate Scheer. But who's there? Lisa Raitt lost tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't. I don't even think she was that serious a candidate, but some people said she was. I'm sorry, I don't see Peter McKay uh, doing uh, yeah. it. I, I talked about. I mean, I think that you're going to slouch forward. You made the good point that unless he's thrown out by caucus, the party constitution lets him kick the can down the road. You know, my my phone is open to any CPC MP or candidate who's looking to call in because my guess is that the knives are going to come out. Um, this wasn't a victory for Sheer. The party is going to be losing their grasp on caucus when they look at just what a loss tonight was. It was a loss and uh, there's no way to spin it. I mean, maybe the party will say, oh, but the PPC, they took 2% in this riding and they took 2% in this. That's not enough. That's you can't, you can't put the paper over the cracks on this one. Uh, this was this was a travesty for the Conservative Party. That's so. What he's saying is that they also can't win use... the popular vote. They won the popular vote, but Ezra, whenever that gets brought up, Ezra keeps going, "Yeah, but it, okay, that still doesn't mean anything because they lost overall. That's just the way but they were system up twenty. Is. So you're up twenty seats, but it still didn't give them government. Twenty six. Yeah, and but then and then what Kian is saying here is that even if. Uh, uh, you take into consideration the PPC, like what the 2% of the vote the PPC got was not sufficient to blame their low numbers on the PPC. And I think the evidence shows that there was only maybe six ridings in which the, the PPC could have played, like the votes that went to the PPC could have had an effect on whether it became liberals and conservatives. Okay. At least that's the, what they were showing early on. I think it, that number so struck out a bit. Split it a little, but only in six ridings, which in the grand scheme of things is like 
irrelevant. I, I also, I'm, I'm going to play this now because, like, the, the funny thing is, uh, what this what this really means for the PPC. And there's this amazing clip with Rosemary Barton, where okay. she really lays out. They don't play this, so I'm like jumping, gonna play a, a CBC clip. But okay. what she said during election night about the PPC was fucking spot on. It's only okay, that's Maxine Bernier responding to the, uh, the loss of his own seat yes. in the post tonight and an extremely bad performance on the part of the People's Party of Canada. Uh, he was saying that this was the beginning of a conversation, that they will continue to hold the government in check. Very hard to see how you do that, given that you haven't even elected your own seat. You've elected no other MPs. And the candidates that you did manage to find have now lost all of their deposits, Who so they may not be thrilled with you or want to work for you anymore. So we'll see whether the Conservatives want to reach out to them. But I'm not sure that that party has much of a future. I'm going to Ian now with some results. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, so I mean, that lays it right out. They lost, you need to get 15% of the vote in your riding to get your deposit back and some yeah. tax rebates for your campaign. And not a single PPC member across Canada, other than Bernier, made it past the 15% mark to get that money back. So they, money back so they all dumped their own money and whatever donations they received, and wow. not a one of them are getting it back. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, it really is a devastating loss for them. I want to bring up as well that uh, he mentions Mansour. I was going to play a clip, but I don't think we need to. But he mentions uh, how, like, look, the, the PPC are di diverse. They even have a Muslim candidate right running in London. And we've talked about uh, Mansour, but I, I wanted to say one thing about him that I heard from somebody who took a course with him. Just to, to paint a picture of the kind of person that Mansoor is. So somebody told me that uh, they were taking a, a, a political science That's class, I think. Political science and system. one of the students in the classroom asked uh, him, why don't we bomb Iran? And his, or, or why don't we turn the, sa or, turn the sands of Iran to glass, I think is how the student framed it. And Mansoor's response to that student was, why stop at Iran? So that's Mansoor, and uh, Ezra, <laughs> apparently Mansoor has appeared on Rebel before, so maybe we could have gone back in time and dug up some of those clips, but apparently he's been on uh, Rebel, and he's a Rebel contributor. The, so there's only two more clips of the live night coverage that I want to play. One is the hilarious turn of where Sheer started to give his concession speech, and then Trudeau gave his concession speech like, right on top and i i loved it uh <laughs> that's like the only thing trudeau has done this whole election and i don't even think it was intentional but it was like he totally cucked andrew Shear completely uh yeah. and and you can tell that the people at rebel are not happy about it and to everybody across the country who joined our conservative team over the last 40 days whether you knocked on doors put in lawn signs made a donation right, or simply uh, told peter van That's sounds hilarious. Like, sounds like Justin Trudeau is not letting Andrew Scheer have his moment. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit classless. I mean, the tradition is wait. You know, you've had 40 days. Give the guy five minutes. Jagmeet Singh had his five minutes. You know, Maxime Bernier went, then the block went, and then Jagmeet Singh went, and Scheer went. But Justin Trudeau can't, can't let Scheer have his moment, can he? What a piece of work that guy is. Well, he just this wants is to silence Alberta however he can. 
<laughs> so what happened is basically Shears talking and they're watching the CBC feed. So in the middle of the CBC feed, they like switch to Trudeau talking because Trudeau like cut in right at the beginning of Shears' speech. <laughs> Anyways, and then that's that's pretty much the end. So uh, the next day, Ezra does a post-mortem and uh, here's how that begins. Oh, no. I have in front of me a cup of coffee and a Red Bull. And if I uh, pour the Red Bull into the coffee, don't make fun of me. I'm just trying to do the best I can. <laughs> he does not end up pour- pouring the Red Bull into the Poor coffee baby. like you suggest. But he's clearly disheveled and <laughs> not... Poor uh, guy. Let's not in a, a good place. I have clips. I'm not going to play. He's, he's just really boring. The main takeaway is that he thinks that Alberta should separate. And he talks about the, the hashtag Wexit was Wait, transit. Wexit? Yeah, West Exit. I thought it was like Wexit. Well, I, I assume it's like Brexit, but like Wexit. I had yeah, no I idea know. how to say it. So I was... But yeah, that was trending on Twitter. And the one Are thing... Are they all from Alberta? Uh, I don't know. Because Kian is Alberta. So is... Yeah, well, they're definitely all prairieites of some kind. So I think Sheila also said on her Twitter, it says she's... So the only one I can't figure out is the Menzies guy. My guess is he's a prairie boy as well. Yeah, isn't that kind of weird? So they, like, I, I just... It kind of kicked in when Kian was like, why is he disrespecting Albertans, right? Like, they get really offended about Alberta. Well, they... Because they see... Every other, I mean, the way this election unfolded, a lot of it was criticism against the pipeline building and stuff like that. And that centers around like an Albertan issue. And even Alberta, I mean, Alberta's Alberta politics. Alberta really is the Texas of yeah. Canada. No, well, they are. And like, they're all the people wanting to claim to leave Canada. Why? Like, you're not going to gain. Like, what are you going to gain? Like, that's the thing that I don't understand. They feel like they've been so uh, neglected and that somehow, like, Ontario is the only place that matters or the, or the liberals only focus on Quebec and they leave us. They don't, like, help us. You're fine. Like, you're just mad that you don't get to push your conservative politics on the rest of this fucking country? Yeah. Like, keep electing your local conservative governments and keep doing that. Whatever, if I'm that's just... what you want to do. Weeks it or wex it. I don't know yeah. what it's called. Wex, well, I, like, I, I joke too that it would be awesome if they did because it would turn out like Brexit where they, they, be, yeah. they vote to leave and then they realize as they're like starting to initiate that process that it's going to tank their economy and they're all going to be shitting their pants and fighting with each other. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we will get to watch that amusement if they ever try to go down that path. The other funny thing, though, in Ezra's like, like promotion of Western separatism is he compares it with Quebec separatism and his framing of Quebec separatism. He's like, we won't. He's like, when Alberta leaves, it'll be calm and rational. We'll just be like, we'll just have a vote and we'll leave and it'll be calm. He's like, it won't be like Quebec. They go when they try to leave, they start screaming and throwing fits. And, like, they blow stuff up, like the FLQ. And he's like... (laughs) And it's like, for me, I can't imagine that Alberta exiting will be as calm and rational. I'm just thinking, like, how would... Well, I guess you just have to, like, 
I, well, you can still go over. Yeah, it's not a big issue. I was going to say, like, trains and stuff, like, getting through Alberta to go to, like, BC or something like that. Like, you would... There's going to be some logistical issues, especially of, when it comes to... Just where it's to, located geographically in Canada, it's like a... Kind of an inconvenience, nevertheless. Well, I mean, they gave <laughs> Quebec the vote, but they didn't... I don't think... They wouldn't have the same currency as us, would they? They'd have to come up with their own currency. Well, it depends on how they leave, because I think when Quebec was choosing to leave, there was debate about whether they would be, like, kind of an independent entity, but still use our currency, and, like, just weird... Like... The idea was like, let's have a vote to see if we want to leave and then try to figure out what leaving would look like. And some of the things that I don't even think, Cause I think were considered back then were things like, what do you do with uh, uh, indigenous reserve, uh, reserves? Like they're, oh, they're okay. a nation all to, their, to themselves. What, what, are, what happens to their rights yeah. if like Alberta leaves? What does that mean? Well, they'd have to decide that as a country. But their rights are with the Canadian government, not with Alberta. And they're not choosing to leave. But I guess if they're on their and land. And it's their land. So yeah, do, but, do but they become I guess like, if Alberta considers that their own country, they claim it as their own land, then they would be governed under Alberta's laws. But the Canadian thing is, laws. certain things in the UN have happened recently that make it so that like any country that like takes over Indigenous land as their own uh, will be sanctioned by the UN. So it's like... I mean, there's just like things that have happened yeah. since that make this transition much not more as, difficult. Yeah, yeah, because I was thinking because the EU actually has a rule where you can't use European currency if you're not a part of the EU, right? Like you can't, you don't have access to the euro. Yeah. So that's why it, it was an easier decision, I guess, for some people to Brexit because they have their the pounds right there. Yeah. But in Spain, for example, um, I'm gonna mispronounce. The, the Catalonia? Catalonia, right? They use the euro. So when they were talking about separating Spain, or I guess it's still ongoing, the separation of Catalonia, is they would have to get their own currency and then they realized that would fuck over their entire economy and that's a huge demotivator for people wanting to actually leave. Well, it's currently fucking over British Britain's <laughs> economy. So it's like, I mean, like, these people never think this through. Like, they rely the the Albertan economy. I think is represented between twenty or thirty percent in the oil industry, like their GDP, twenty to thirty percent. And if you can't sell your oil, like so, here's the thing: is if America say votes in someone like Bernie, which is a possibility at this point, then they're not going to want Albertans' oil to be piped down to them. The rest of Canada isn't going to let them build pipelines through their provinces where we yeah. can get oil spills or whatnot. So you're going to have all this oil that you're going to sit on that you're not going to be able to get rid of your out of your landlocked country if you separate. Yeah. So what what you're leaving because of all this oil stuff, yet you're not going to gain anything by leaving because of it. No, you're right. Yeah. They're all just bitter fucking conservatives. <laughs> it's like be bitter. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I have no sympathy for them whatsoever. I'm kind of for Alberta separating. Oh, I am too. Just because, like, I've had enough of their shit. <laughs> it's like if, they're, like, if they're complaining about, like, no one likes us. It's like, then leave. I don't fucking care anymore. Okay, that does it. Screw guys, I'm going home. Well, I'm gonna just give me a minute.
All you are is a petro state. And what happens when you leave? You're not going to be able to sell your oil to anyone. I, I, yeah, exactly. Like, you're going to be stuck selling it to us because no one else is going to buy it because you, you're not attached to the water. That's yeah, why it's exactly. like, if they leave, they'll have to try to take BC with them. And BC's not going with them. Can you, like, take, like, Saskatchewan, Roberato? <laughs> that would be nice, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Saskatchewan is all blue right now. All that's, conservative. That's, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. So you're like Jagmeet. You just don't respect conservatives and. No. <laughs> and like, like I'm not a politician, so I don't, I don't really care to yeah. soft sell that and apologize after. I don't respect it because a lot of the people that are aligned with conservatives' views don't respect other people. They also have horrible views on people that are working class and low class. They have horrible views on actually how to run an economy with no economics background, in fact. Like, a lot of them think they know economics. Like, I literally spent a weekend, and I have to tell you this because it was so... I want to pull my fucking hair out by the end of this. Explaining to someone the difference between debt and a deficit. Yeah. And they thought it was the exact same thing. And I was like, so we're in debt. Who do we owe money to then? The universe. And you know what their answer was? The Vatican. <laughs> Oh, like, it's weird how certain conspiracy theories, like, co- consistently fluctuate. And I was like, are you being serious? And they're like, okay, maybe not. Maybe the World Bank. And I was like, so we lent, we got a huge loan from the World Bank. When, what year was this? And we were just accumulating this debt now. And now we're almost, like, near, you know, yeah. multi-billion. So uh, it was just such a baffling conversation because I was like, deficit and debt are two different concepts. Like, a deficit is just when you overspend on a budget. That is it. You drew a deficit in your budget. There's so much information to integrate for people. Like most people walk around not having a clue about debt and deficit differences yeah. between these things. I've heard this and, multiple times. Yeah. And yet, and yet we throw them to the whims to be like, vote on these issues. Balance the budget. We need a balanced budget. I'm like, everyone has a fucking balanced budget. It just means that they overspent on that budget. You want it to be a balanced books that's never gonna fucking happen and what fucking company do they have a perfectly balanced budget what this company is, does this that? is the stupid thing about the greens then too because like i i this frustrated me the most of this whole election what i actually found the greens budget? Sorry. Well, no one but here's no the thing is, the greens ran on a balanced budget but when i try to tell people that the greens are conservatives they yell at me because they're like look they're pro-palestine and it's like great like i'm glad they're pro-palestine that i, I but you're, that i'm supportive of yeah right yeah, that's but it's like they're running on a conservative ex- fiscal Fiscally economic conservative, plan, yeah. right and and so it's like but people don't understand how any of that works so to them they're like like all the all the Green Party posturing of like we're post politics, or like we're above the left right spectrum. And I, not I think left, it, not right, moving forward together. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. But I, I think our local candidate said that uh, the Green Party is three D. <laughs> they're so above spectrum politics that they're three dimensional. They exist on another plane of political existence. I was really hoping that they would say, like, 40, because we are three-dimensional <laughs> Like, we, like, a next... That's what I was hoping for. But, I, like, I, I wonder not. that, like, there's just this, like... A lot of people have, have difficulties trying to integrate all this information. That, at the end of the day, all it comes down to is some trivial uh, team sport. Where... 
you vote conservative because your parents vote conservative and therefore you're for balanced budgets, not because you understand what the hell a government budget is or what a deficit and a debt is. You're just for it because those are the talking points that you were raised on and your party affiliation that you're raised on. And so you're just like, balanced budget, yeah! And there's no thought process that went into it at all. And when I have these thoughts, I'm left being like super fucking depressed about the state of the world, you know? I mean, it's everything. Like, you're just raised around media, family, everything that has this us versus them, in-group, out-group kind of functioning or mechanisms that make people separate and divided and it gives people a sense of pride when their group is winning and the other group is losing but it really isn't because politics is really the state of your country that you're in together and the state of your current life and i just i find that baffling when people have these teams all the time but it, it goes for a lot of other things in life right like the fact that we rally against sports teams and we act like we won when a sports yeah. team won, or even when people think they won when po- they're politician. Like, if NDP wins, that's great, but I don't feel like I'm winning. No, I would be the first to protest them if they did anything that yeah. I disagreed with. And they do do stuff that yeah. goes actually against their philosophies. Like, the fact that they don't speak out about Palestine and the Green Parties are what the fuck right like like yeah it's supposed it, to be a lot more progressive and left-leaning than that but they they don't they condemn it because they have people that are in that party that push them towards um pro well they're neutral they don't say anything yeah. but they they're just, evasive on it yeah here's the thing my this is my speculation now that we're done our election coverage is i think this is going to be the thing going forward that they're going to constantly complain about in like the future oh. episodes. It's going to be focused on Western separatism and like we gotta, we gotta have a vote and we gotta leave the country, and they're gonna rally their troops around that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, and I want to watch them. I mean, it's curious to see where that would go. <laughs> I can imagine like maybe they're like they're halfway down the road and then they go. Oh, this really wouldn't work. <laughs> then whether whether or not they like double down on it or like get off the ship, I don't know. You want them to leave, right? Yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> totally fine. enjoy what you've heard so far please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news and if you want to stay informed about what we're doing you can also find us on twitter at imperial news with a z we have a private facebook group called imperial news we also have a discord set up you can find the link on our twitter and i will eventually start streaming shows on twitch the username for twitch is imperial news lastly you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com and i will get to some of uh, those questions at the end of each show uh, if we have any. I would also like to thank my friend Mason Tickle who provided the Star Wars inspired transition beats. He has an album that uh, came out last Tuesday. Find it at thestriatum.com or striatum.bandcamp.com Thank you for listening and fuck you Alberta. Fuck <laughs> Alberta. Is that our new catchphrase? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, going forward, that's probably going to be our catchphrase. So. Oh, fun. Fuck Alberta. Homeless people in LA have smartphones.